Hello again, Pastor Deborah, and this is another episode called The King and Kingdom Series. In the last episode, we talked about how do words live in us? How are we to keep them alive? How are they to become our food and nutrition? In this one, we're going to talk about a few little things that you can do that when you hear a word of the king and kingdom, that you can keep them a part of your spirit. They will nourish you. You will feed on them. They will grow you just as protein does in our biological body. Because words we have to hear or read with our eyes, or if you're blind, you read them with your fingers. And so words are important. As we've been talking, they're concepts, they're thoughts. They're our spirit talking, and they can be our soul talking, because we have two people inside of us, two different thoughts two different realms that we live in. As I've talked many a times, our spirit, the forever person, basically is the unseen spiritual being that has a complete body. He has abilities, he speaks, he sees, he hears, he acts, he sings, he moves around just like you see our physical body do. And also in our physical body and in this system is a soul with its conscious awareness of our surroundings through the five senses and our subconscious where we are shaped and conformed from our experiences by living in the darkness of the earth and carnal nature. So we have two sets of voices. We are, our bodies in our system, here's two sets of words. We hear spiritual words. We hear earthly words. We are beings of communication. We have eyes, two sets of eyes, and ears, and tongues, and arms, and legs, and bodies. And yet, most of us don't even know about our spiritual being. We're uh, not knowledgeable of it. We're unaware of it. Now, our soul is sort of aware of it. It doesn't like it. And it tries to keep it out away from itself. Because if it came in and it allowed it, which it could, then it will hear different things than it has learned. But in this King and Kingdom series, we're going to talk about how when you hear a word, whether you hear an earthly word coming into your earthly ears, into your biological brain, it sinks down to your soul, and your soul takes it in, accepts it or doesn't accept it, forms it, the seeds get planted in the soul, <clears throat> excuse me, and its fruit begins to begin to grow. Then there are spiritual words that we are hearing, words of spirit and life, 
or words of cursings and death. So what happens is those two parts of us are both hearing words. Both are living in realms where there is communication, sounds, music, talking, all kinds. So what I want to talk about is in the spiritual realm, the King and the Kingdom series, how you develop and how the words are able to stay in your system and help you. And I'm going to relate some things in the natural world. Some of us have heard about bulimics. They are people that feel like in their soul that they are overweight uh, and not pretty. So they'll eat something and then they'll stick their finger down their throat and they'll cause themselves to purge or throw it up. Or they will take diarrhea pills uh, to make them have diarrhea because they believe that this food they have ingested is harmful to them. They want to get rid of it. That is one example of what I'm going to tie into. How words nourish us and how we can keep them. So if you can't keep food down in the natural, the food's purpose for you cannot be completed. And your body slowly, through the purging and not getting its nutrients and vitamins from the food, becomes sick and disease and it's depleted and gets weaker and weaker. So bad things can happen when you're not able to ingest and take in food. So in the realm of the spirit, where the King and the Kingdom series talks about, one of the ways, I'm going to get my notes here, is we must keep sight of the words. Now how do we do that? When we hear a word spiritually, how does it come to us? Does it come in a spiritual book? Does it come in a spiritual movie? Do spiritual words come in songs, spiritual songs? Uh, do we hear spiritual music? Are there spiritual beings talking to us? Where do spiritual words come from? So that's a whole nother teaching. But just for this video, we want to talk about how that we can not lose sight of them. Let's say you decide that you hear something spiritually. How would you determine if I'm reading a book if there's a spiritual message in it? Or if I'm talking to people that I can determine I'm listening to a spirit talking to me. How do I determine if what I'm hearing, I might as well hold this. How do I keep sight of them in this system? One, I have to be able to hear. 
and see with my eyes. Just like a earthly body, if it is deaf of hearing or blind, it cannot see in its normal capacity the words. It can learn through braille, hand talking, okay? Can learn other forms of communication. So our senses in the natural, our eyes must be working correctly, even if you need glasses like I do, which corrects the light coming into the lenses. Our ears must be able to hear. Okay. Our mouths must be able to take in, digest the food that we're hearing. So the first way is when you hear a spiritual word, you must decide, do you believe it or is it a lie? Sometimes it's very hard to do. What I try to do is I try to locate when somebody's talking to me from a movie, a book, a, a poem, a song, a pastor, a preacher, anybody, politician, I must be able to locate what part of them is talking to me. That's number one. If it is the spirit that's talking to me through the soul, then I have to know that. Because then I am knowing a spiritual being that is either being influenced by a good spiritual God and King or the other spiritual King of the kingdom of darkness. So I have to first locate by hearing or if I'm reading a book what part of a human is talking to me? Is it their spirit or is it their soul? Now, in, I also have to learn, is somebody speaking to me, say, from the kingdom of heaven and that culture with that mindset, or is a religious person talking to me? So I have to know that before I can even believe what they're telling me. Once I've heard them spiritually, now, I'm talking to you through my spirit, through my soul, my helpmate, and out through the biological body. So, you are hearing words of spirit coming from my spirit, going through the camera, going through the video, going to your biological ears. It's got to pass through your soul. Your soul must allow it to go through and to get to the spirit. There is a spirit attached to my words. It's not me. My spirit is sort of taking the back, stepping back and allowing the spirit of life and truth to talk. He is talking to you through me. 
we have a partnership and when I speak he speaks because that's the only way that the message is anointed and it can pass through the soul to get to you the spirit person if it's just my soul talking it won't get to the spirit if my soul interferes with the spiritual words changes them adds some darkness ignorance or error to it then you are not receiving the correct spiritual message it's been tampered with and therefore your spirit doesn't get the complete message now what happens is you can't even know whether to believe that what I'm saying is truth or an error if your spirit doesn't even get it if it's just soul to soul talk and it's just soul talk and that soul is the subconscious part that's connected with the biological body it's ruled by its appetites of the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh the pride of life it's controlled by all of its circumstances its abuses its wounds it's everything that's ever happened to it so it has got a bad attitude so what first has to happen in the king and the kingdom series is you must first be able to locate where the words are coming from spirit or soul then you must be able to judge those words not the person that is speaking them but judge the words if they line up with the kingdom of heaven and its king or the kingdom of darkness and its king well how would you know which one it, they line up with you must study both the king and the kingdom of heaven and you must study the king and the kingdom of darkness you must study love versus hate life versus death you must study what the two kingdoms are you must listen carefully even when you read the Bible you must listen different translations leave out words change words and the meaning is changed now I don't read Greek or Hebrew but I asked my teacher what does this mean because we're told that Jesus when he comes excuse me my nose that he is talking to us and his words he's speaking to us they are words of spirit and life and truth and if you hear them and you believe them and you accept them into your spirit then he says that truth that you've just heard will set you free now that when he told this 
the people, the Jewish people, said, we've never been slaves. They were in slavery to the Romans. You can be in captivity and not even know it because you want to believe that you are free and that nobody controls you or has a say in your life. Our soul is a horrible taskmaster. So what happens, he tells them, truth is a spiritual thing and it can set you free from spiritual ignorance, which he considers darkness. Because we don't know we're in slavery and captivity. I like to use another analogy about that. In the mind of somebody who has been diagnosed with anorexia, that's an eating disorder where the person believes they look in the mirror or they look at their body and they believe through their earthly eyes and their soul that they are overweight and very fat and very ugly, unloved, unwanted. So to them, food is an enemy. They will not eat it. And they'll get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. But when they look in the mirror, they don't see what we as their therapists and counselors and ministers would see skin and bones they see a completely different picture with their eyes in the mirror their brain is looking in a mirror looking at their body and their brain is interpreting a different picture they see themselves thin and that excuse me, as fat, overweight. And so they purge, they binge, they just starve themselves to death. And a lot of them will tell you is the reason I do that. It seems to be the only thing I can control in my life because I feel out of control. But here is a case where my eyes are looking at them and I see one thing. And their eyes are looking and they see something different. We have a disconnect here. We have a problem. So the same thing with hearing words. I can hear one word and inside of here have all different types of concepts, interpretations, beliefs, and attitudes towards that one word. We'll use the word dog. If I've had good experiences with dogs, when I hear the word dog, and I know what the picture looks like, I might have fond and happy thoughts. If I've been attacked by a dog, had too many of them killed, been bitten by one, I might hear the word dog and have fearful, threatening, uh, panic thoughts. So our personal experiences with these objects that have a word attached to it that's connected dog d-o-g i don't even have to see a dog just hear it and i will interpret in my soul emotions ideas past experiences trauma or blessings will occur so when you're hearing spiritual words it's very difficult because that's in another realm but before you can believe them, like the anorexia, 
you must be able to see or hear the words. But all of that interpretation and believing could depend on your experiences, your emotions, your feelings. Did you know our spirit has feelings, has eyes? It has a shape and a form. It hears and tastes. It has all kinds of emotions. But what happens is in the King and Kingdom series, when you're trying to learn about yourself and others and to figure out what is going on in the world, we have to start somewhere. So also, we have capabilities within our soul, our biological brain and our spirit to have memories, to remember things, to call up to remembrance. And this is how a word stays in us, helps us, can guide us, can lead us. And it can also be a blessing to us or a curse. So memory is very important. We know in up some people, they get a head injury, they can lose some memory. Also, we know there are illnesses and sicknesses that cause memory loss. Alzheimer's, dementia, some other things that the memories seem to fade away. So spiritual things, you must read a lot, hear, have personal experiences with so that a memory is formed. One of the things we're told to do in the Bible is to study to show yourself approved. We also hear a lot about memorization of scripture. Now I read the Bible over and over again. I don't purposely try to remember scriptures. I'll watch movies about it word for word. I watch movies that they've taken, like the Ten Commandments. Watch them over and over. I'll listen to the words, the scriptures. I'll read books with the scriptures. I'll read the scriptures. I'll write the scriptures. And then the word tells us that when the time is needed for that word to be brought to my memory, the Holy Spirit will bring it to me. So I just trusted him if I studied the word, looked in the dictionary, the Strong's Concordance, wrote the scriptures out, meditated on them, watched movies with them, watched videos with them, listened to them on tapes, that at the time I would need them, he would bring it to my remembrance. And I'll give you an example. I was in a church service years ago that was having a revival. The pastor said, let's everybody get with their most trusted prayer partner and pray. So I watched as people, pastors were getting with visiting pastors, and I thought that was strange. I thought the pastor's wife would be their most trusted prayer partner. I saw strangers getting with strangers. That was strange. And I'm just watching. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, trust no man. I knew immediately that that was the Word of God. 
that I wasn't to trust in man. I was to trust in God and the Holy Spirit. So I just turned around, knelt down, put my head on the pew, and prayed. So what he did is he didn't give me, it's very interesting with me, I don't get scripture reference, chapter, and verse. I got trust no man. But I knew that was the word. Because I knew from Jesus' life on earth, he put no trust in other humans. He took no counsel with them. He went off by himself. He talked to his Father through the Holy Spirit. Then he'd come back and do ministry. He would teach. He would try to convince the religious leaders of this spiritual kingdom, not this earthly kingdom. He didn't ask them anything. He didn't trust them. They were carnal creatures. They did not have the Holy Spirit. And in trusting man, what happened if you have a believer? He's in religion, and according to Paul, he's still a child. He's still more of a flesh creature, more of a soulish creature than a mature son of God, a king, and released by the Father. So you couldn't trust those other Christians with the word, they're children. They think like children. Even Paul tells us that when he was a child, he thought like a child. He did things like a child. And that is how we are spiritually. Basically, we're children for a long, long time. We talk and think like our concepts, all our decisions are from a child's mentality. So when a word comes to you like that in that church service, Excuse me, my knees are hurting today. And I hear within myself, trust no man. I knew what that was. That was the Holy Spirit guiding me, leading me, bringing to my remembrance the word I had written, the word I had studied. He's trying to help to protect me and lead me in the right way. And so I said to myself, I think I'll go pray with my most trusted prayer partner I ever have. The one who prays for me when I don't know what to pray for. The one who is with me, who connects me to the Father, who is my teacher, my guide, my come. I'll go pray with him, and I will just be with him. And that's what I did. So what happens when we are trying to keep the word in us spiritually? We must believe the word, but we must know the word. And like I said, for me, I don't know about anybody else, I don't get scripture reference chapter number. Originally, as you know, in the Hebrew, there were no 1 Corinthians verse 12. It, they were letters. And in the Hebrew, it's all, you know, left, right, just this way. No periods, no breaks. Okay, I don't... And sometimes when God talks to me, it's like that. There's no verse. So like when you talk to people, you don't say, well, you don't quote scriptures. It's more of a communication. 
So I had to learn in order to believe what I was reading of the word about the King and the Kingdom series, I had to know it. Now it's okay if you want to memorize it. There's nothing wrong with it. I just never purposely did that. I would read it, the Bible, over and over, been through many of them, go to church, listen to the scriptures, read books, read every scripture in the book, listen to it online, word for word, watch movies with it, word for word. I was getting it in, uh, in every way I could. So another way that the word can come in and we not lose sight of them is through our memory, our remembrance. Now I'm not, I have to trust that the Holy Spirit has a better memory than I do. And I am a creature of two worlds, the soul world, the natural world, and the spirit world. Now the Holy Spirit who's inside of me and is my teacher, my communication, he provides the anointing, the gifts I need to help people. He's only a creature of one world, the spiritual realm and the kingdom of heaven. So he doesn't have this other complicated system of a physical body, physical senses. He hasn't had all the experiences in the natural that I have had. He doesn't get distracted like I do. He's so he is a much better person to be dependent on who has a better memory than I do and he'll never get Alzheimer's, he'll never have a head injury, never be sick. So I had to learn to trust him to bring to my spiritual remembrance so then my spirit could dictate to my soul the answer, trust no man. And then my soul and spirit would tell my physical body, don't get with anybody, bow down on the pew. Later after this experience in a church, I talked to with some other people and they were told to stay leaning against the wall and pray. So we were getting guidance, spirit from the Holy Spirit to my spirit. His word that was in me, he was reminding me, bringing it to my remembrance, trust no man. I knew that was the word. I knew he was my teacher and guide. So I knew then what to do. So your remembrance comes from hearing it, reading it, listening to it, over, writing it over, over, and over. Okay? How else do we keep them and not lose sight of them spiritually in our system? We meditate on them. What is meditation? There's a lot going on about meditation. Sitting quietly, clearing out your mind, having peaceful stuff. Is that meditation on the Word? How do you meditate on the Word? Are there any classes in it? I don't know. I never took a really formal Bible study. I believed in reading it, 
listening to it over and over and going very slow. When I was helping this young lady study the Bible, I'd say, you read the scripture. And she took off like 60 miles an hour. I go, whoa, stop. You don't even, let's just start with the first word. Like, oh Lord. Let's just stay right there on that word, Lord. Let's not go any farther into the scripture. What does that mean? Let's just close our eyes and ponder. Who are we talking to? What does the word Lord mean? What kind of relationship am I in when I'm speaking Lord? And I would have her read slowly and stop, think, maybe look it up in the dictionary, write it down, just stop, try to picture what this looks like. So I am a, I taught her you're reading the scriptures too fast. You're not getting every single word's understanding. Where's your dictionary? Let's look up that word. Write the word down in a tablet. Write it. Just go and study that one word. Go to your concordance. Look up the word Lord and go right down every scripture that the word Lord is in, both the New Testament and the Old. That is how I studied for years. She wasn't used to doing that. She was fast. And we see that a lot in church when the pastors read the scriptures. They're through it in nanoseconds. And there's no meditating on it. There's no pondering and stopping, considering. Sometimes you go, okay, Lord, I don't know what that word means. And he's always faithful to me. The king will have the Holy Spirit take me to more scriptures and to a dictionary. Then I'll stop and I'll say, give me a visual. Give me a picture. I might get a movie to watch. What does this mean? I might read a true story. I need the word. I need a visual. And I need understanding. For that word to stay in my memory. With the right concept. The right set. That means idea. Concept means one. Unity. I need it to be in unity in the spiritual realm, not what the soul and the earthly realm is telling me. I can use those as examples, but I need to take it into the spiritual. So memory, meditating, sometimes I'll just go outside and just think on the word. Think about the movies I've watched, the visuals I've seen. Because that all helps me. I love I, what's going on like right now. There's something called the coronavirus going on. And I just ask the Lord, you're either behind it for your purposes, and I ain't going to interfere with that, 
or you gave permission to Satan to release it, like you did with Job. Death is here. Viruses are here. They're a part of the biological and natural world. So I asked God, okay, how do I respond? Give me a story out of the Bible that will help me. So what comes to my pictures is Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments on the night that the death angel was to pass through all of Egypt, killing the firstborn. And this was done to set the Israelites free so they could come out and they could be worship and become God's children. And this upset Moses in the movie. He knew that judgment was coming and he begged God to turn from his wrath, but that wasn't to happen. And then Moses was given instructions to take a lamb, spread the blood over the doorpost, go into your house, and wait. So it was a long night, They could, and so the lambs were killed. The blood was put over the doorpost. They went inside, had the Passover meal. Moses was singing songs, eating, waiting. He knew it would pass. He knew there would be joy on the other side of this death. Some inside the house were frightened. Uh, strangers came in and they waited. And so I got that visual from the movie, so I knew what to do. I went and said I took the blood of Jesus. I spread it over the doorpost of my heart and my soul. I covered that spirit with the blood. So as this death angel, this thing that whoever has God, even if it's from Satan or the virus itself, it has to have God's permission. And it will pass by and pass through. I know a lot of people will die, don't know exactly why. And then I'm to stay inside, be grateful, be thankful, knowing that when it's over, People will be set free of what? Whatever was holding them in bondage. So I knew that. That's all I did. I knew the story could be Satan asking permission, like he did in Job, and God give it. It could be the earth itself that's all upset at all the bad things that's happening to it. And it has been given permission to take you out. Could be God himself doing some things. Don't know. I don't usually listen to a lot of the Christian prophetic voices about it. I just ask for a Bible story so I know how to respond. And it doesn't matter who's doing it, God is allowing it. And there's always deeper and uh, purposes for Him and His spiritual people behind it. So I know that. Now, once I did ask God a couple days ago, show me what this virus, this COVID, was like. It's some kind of virus that attaches to a cell. It injects itself into the cell because it's sort of a dead thing. And it cannot reproduce without going into a live thing. And then it releases itself in the live thing, kills the live thing, 
and takes over. So God was able to show me that was the same thing that happens spiritually with demonic spirits. They come into dead things, they kill the dead stuff that's not quite dead, and they take over. And death is the same way. Comes in, injects itself, it's an attack. People don't know exactly why they're happening, who it is. In the Bible, there was children dying, cows were dying, the firstborn. I don't know if that's the case now. I just knew what to do, and I did it. And I patiently wait, video cam from home. And I did a Zoom with the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse yesterday. They're developing this whole new technology. It was wonderful. I was glad to see them doing it. So, now to continue helping us to be nourished by a word, how we're not to lose sight of it, how it's to become a part of our spiritual body, be our leader, our guide. When we're traveling in paths that could cause us problems, we must have practiced them. Once again, we'll use the story of let's pray for your most trusted prayer partner. My practicing of what the word was, trust no man, was I didn't get with anybody. Turned around by myself, kneeled down and prayed with just the Holy Spirit. So I had to put into practice what the word had led and guided me to do. It didn't tell me to turn around and pray or kneel by myself. It just said, trust no man. And I had to know this was the character, the mind of Christ himself. Because I learned he didn't take counsel with anybody. He didn't call up any of these dead spiritual beings or souls to talk with him. He knew they were ignorant of the king and the kingdom, what his mission was. They had no concept of the spiritual stuff. So he didn't do that. Then in this process, I had to also learn there were spirits who were alive, but they were dead to God, and they were serving the other guy. They had demonic spirits in them. Their spirits were there. I was interacting with them in the witchcraft, the occult, multi-generational Satanism. And I was shocked because when the church teaches you're dead, they didn't think there was human spirits that were alive and they had lives and they did things. Oh, goodness. And I was, but they were dead to God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They knew, they knew about him. They believed he was dead. They could quote the scriptures better than I could. But they didn't believe he had any power. Oh, he was just a man. And even if he was the son of God, Lucifer killed him. And they were worshiping spiritually 
and in their soul and physically Satan. And they were using Satan's Holy Spirit, sort of, the demonics. They were getting lead and guidance from them. So a whole new world opened up to me about the king and the kingdom. There were two of them on planet Earth. And I had to study them. And I had to look at my movies. And I had to watch movies about this. I had to watch some strange movies. And I had to study what is it like inside of a person. One of the best movies that helped me that some of my children that came out of the occult wanted me to watch was called The Cell. I think with Jennifer Lopez. Talked about how it was like inside their heads. Excellent. Very kind of hard to watch. I watched true stories about demonic possession. I read true stories and books about disassociation and multiple personalities and satanic ritual abuse. I had to study the other guy, the other spirits. I had to know all about the spiritual realm. I had to be able to compare them, blessings and curses. I had to know about spiritual words of life and death. I had to know about the soul's world and how it talked. I had a lot of learning to do, but I did it. I got there. And even now, I always ask the Holy Spirit. I trust Him. And even no matter what I go through, I know that God, my Father, my King, is allowing it. He could be training me or teaching me, protecting me, shutting doors for me. Cause, uh, now, I'll give you an example of how this works by the word uh, this story is true uh, one night when I was very young in this stuff walking down my hallway and the Lord asked me how much I loved a Satanist and would I let my son be uh, skinned alive in front of him and die and would I let myself be crucified to save just one that was in one of these satanic meetings who were on their way to hell were they very important to me? Did I love him, the father, who's wanted to reach them, and would I give my life for them? I said, yes, sir. I love you more than life for myself and my son. I love your purposes more than mine. I will allow myself to die so that just one in the meeting could be saved okay years later when i'm up in pittsburgh with my son i hear it's time i knew what that meant it was time now for me to go and die in a satanic meeting and i knew i had given my word my oath and my vow that i would do that to save one this is Christ Jesus gave his word that he would die for all of humanity before humanity was ever created. I gave my word. So he said, it's time. I went to my room, laid on my bed. I prayed. I knew I would leave my body, go to a satanic meeting and die. 
I knew my son would find me the next morning or day. I would have died of natural causes, but that was my vow and oath, and I was ready to pay it. I'd be in heaven, I knew that. It might be very painful. Now, they weren't going to take me physically or kidnap me. They had tried to do that before, but they wanted my spirit, because that was the area of me that was the most dangerous to their kingdom. So I got on my bed, and I prayed, and I got ready, and I left. I was taken by the Holy Spirit, put inside another body of a female. I was on a cross. No, excuse me, I wasn't on a cross. I was on an altar, and Satan himself was there. And the visual of this that will help you what it looks like from the Chronicles of Narnia, when Aslan was taken to the white witch's altar and table with all the weird creatures around it and she had her knife up and was going and was bringing it down that is what it looked like spiritually there really wasn't any humans there it was all demonics and uh, satan was there with the knife and he was preparing to sacrifice me the spirit inside this earthen body and i would maybe have a heart attack or uh just die on my bed he would finally be rid of me because I had been causing him a lot of problems so the knife starts coming down and the tip of it hits the stomach of this physical body that I was in and the blade starts dissolving and this booming voice and a bright light comes out and says you cannot kill her that is not Jan that's in there. Jan died years ago when she said yes to me that she would die to save a Satanist. That is Deborah. She was died that night when she vowed it. Right then and there. Through words. This is Deborah. She's a resurrected being that you cannot touch nor kill. Jan is already dead. Woo, did Satan get mad? So words matter. Words are spiritual. Words, since I had to trust God that what he asked me, and I didn't know at the time that this was going to happen, but I am, if I take a vow, I'm going to fulfill it. I just had to tell somebody the other day, he got coronavirus, and he asked me if he was going to live or die. I said, I don't know. But he had been an adulterer to his first wife, probably on almost the night they were married, and he lived a double life, and he was going to pay for that. Don't know exactly the full details of it, told him to get his life right, make confessions, ask God to forgive him of that sin, and uh, hope for the best. Some of this is, we're dealing with some stuff in the coronavirus. Sin is there. Vows have been broken. Words have been promised and not fulfilled. And death is coming to claim. It has a right. The coronavirus is an arm of God. 
It is here as every other virus is here. God put them here. God created death. But it cannot move without sin being involved, without legal rights being involved. So sin is here. Death is here. Satan is here. And God is here. So in this story, the power of words that made a vow a marriage vow. You take a vow to forsake all others and you go out and have a sex. You broke your vow. Bad things going to happen. Marriage is a legal contract. You broke the contract. You violated the rules. Death has a right to take you. So in the King and the Kingdom series. You must learn about words. You must learn about how to retain them, how to ponder on them. The difference between spirit words and soul words. The difference between soul thoughts and ideas and feelings and spirit soul thoughts, feelings. And you must be able to Believe in those words. Take them in. Have them nourish you. Fill you up. And the more of the words of God and spirit and life you get, the more it slowly renews, transforms your soul from the, its way of thinking to get control of the physical body. The soul is a very rebellious creature. It don't want to be told what to do. There's a great commercial about this. Some guy's on TV saying he just had a heart attack. But his doctor had told him some time ago to take a, a aspirin, and he refused to do it. That's the soul. Don't want anybody to tell it what to do. Now, what happens to the spirit through words is the spirit can give personality, character, identity to the spirit for their one. When the spirit fell, it was a three-part system, spirit, soul, and physical body. The spirit, when it lost the Holy Spirit, fell, went into a coffin, which is called the veil of flesh, sunk down into the dirt, like buried in the ground, in darkness. Sort of like a zombie, living but dead. And so what happens is the spirit became one with the soul. And so the how the soul's personality, idea, concepts developed experience became a part of the spirit but there's something that was always in the spirit saying is this really me it might look up so it first has to discover some things and it has to start reading some word about itself believing it keeping in its memory meditating on it, 
and having personal experience with the Word. Now, the natural world will help us to understand that unseen world, the king and the kingdom. You have to study kings. You have to study kingdoms. It's totally different. And your mindsets, the two minds, versus democracy, versus socialism, communism, authoritative, it's all different. And most of us don't like king and kingdom because we see the king as the, the law and he's the only one. And we have a lot of bad experiences with bad kings. But that's what you must do because the, the spirit lives in that land, that realm where there's two kings, God of spirit and life and love or kingdom of hate and death. There's two kingdoms. Both, everybody is here on planet Earth. It's a very crowded place. Lots of spiritual activity. Two kingdoms, two governments going on all the time. And your job is to become educated through the King and the Kingdom series about this so you can help people and you can discover yourself. So I hope this particular episode, which I'm not sure which one, but I will type it in so you'll see it on YouTube and on the website, is the King and the Kingdom series. How to keep the Word alive in you, living, and to retain it and to keep it in your sight. So enjoy this episode and this teaching of the King and the Kingdom. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.